listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast with your host, Timothy Lambert Monk. Hello there. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Hope you're all well. It's Thursday, the 14th of June. A lovely, lovely evening here in sunny Scotland, although it was very breezy uh, this morning. Which is quite fun to see. Um, I hope you're well. This is the Full 10 Yards Podcast. And today on the show, we will be talking uh, Broncos. We'll be talking AFC West uh, with Derek Morrison. Uh, very much looking forward to that. Uh, it's a very good interview, actually. So I hope you're looking forward to that one. But if uh, just a quick reminder, if you want to come onto the show and talk about your team or you want to talk about betting or anything NFL-related uh, in general or fantasy football, you can get in touch with the show at Full 10 Yards on Twitter or Instagram. Just a tiny bit of news before we we get into the show today, into the interview. Um, the Los Angeles Chargers have made contact with Antonio Gates. Oh, darkness. Hello, my old friend. Uh, about re- rejoining the team. Obviously, you'll probably be on a, a one-year reunion tour. Um, but then, then again, you never know. It'll probably be going on until the, the day I die as well. So... Uh, apart from that, really not a lot else uh, to report in the NFL. The World Cup started, and spoiler alert, the uh, Russians beat Saudi Arabia by a field goal and a safety to nil. They shut out the uh, Saudi Arabian team. But enough about football. Let's get on to today's show. Like I say, we're talking Broncos. We're going to be talking everything with uh, Derek Morrison, so let's get into it. Yeehaw! It's about time. I think we uh, delve back into our My Team, My Thoughts segments, and it's time to talk Broncos. And we're going to be talking Broncos with Derek Morrison, Morrison who is our, our guest this week. Uh, Derek, how are you doing, buddy? Yeah, very well. Very well. How are you? <clears throat> yeah, we're not too bad, mate. We're not too bad. So what we do in this uh, segment, Derek, is we, we get people to talk about their, you know, how they got into NFL, how, you know, their their favourite moments of, of supporting their teams and obviously go through last season, kind of a state of the franchise, kind of look at uh, each team. So let, let's start off with uh, your introduction to NFL, because I, I, I obviously conversations beforehand, we, we talked about that you actually played uh, in, in Canada. Yeah, so I, I mean, I played college football in Canada and I you know grew up grew up with sport playing it as a kid watching it as a kid with my family um, and then after I after I played I also coached minor football and, and a bit of high school football and that's when I really started to uh, um, become a s- super serious about my fanaticism about NFL football so um, up until that point I was you know it was one of many sports I was infatuated with as a kid but uh, yeah. um, I had a, a much deeper appreciation for the sport when I started coaching it and started evaluating it from different perspectives and um, you know, to the, I still maintain that I think it's uh, from a strategic perspective and just from a, um, a pure complexity standpoint. I think it's one of the most fascinating sports and unique sports in the world. And um, I, you know, I, I first really started to become an NFL fan when I was uh, uh, when I was a kid, probably you know, 96, 90, 97, okay. um, when I um, is when I became a Broncos fan. Anyway, fair enough. And it was, so obviously, you say you grew up and played in, in Canada. So were you kind of was it a CFL that kind of got you into the, the game as a whole first, or was it was it strictly an NFL kind of kind of uh, um, locked in? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, you know, you grew up with the CFL. I'm from Saskatchewan as well, which is the, the I guess you could say the Texas of Canada. You know, it's a, <laughs> uh, there's it's cold winters and hot summers, and you know, there's not very many a million people in the entire province who play a lot of 
play a lot of sports and our CFL team is, you know, practically a religion in, in my home province. But okay. uh, um, so obviously grew up, grew up in that, in that culture, but uh, you know, um, in, in a very sports active family, we were kind of just obsessed with uh, any pro sport, you know, basketball, football, CFL football, NFL football, didn't really matter just to get, just to get engaged with some, some sport was, uh, uh, was enthralling. So sure. um, it, it just snowballed from there. Yeah. But, and then do you watch, so do you still watch a bit of, of CFL or in, in college game stuff as well? Or is it more like kind of directed to, into NFL? To be honest with you, I mean, no, I mean, since I, since I left Canada, even while I was still in Canada, um, you know, I, I, as I got more and more into football and more and more into coaching and studying different, um, different nuances of the game, I just started to gain much more, um, appreciation. I think as a kid, um, especially if you're Canadian, you know, you have this, uh, you, you, this fake battle, this false dichotomy <laughs> between the CFL and, and the NFL. Yeah. And, um, with this, this, uh, nationalistic pride that, um, the CFL is just as good as the NFL, that the, that the gap between the two sports isn't so great. And I think as I grew, as I got more and more engaged with the complexities of the sport, um, I, I started to have a much more serious appreciation for the how, how incredible the NFL is, and not, not just in terms of, um, of the game itself, but more just these athletes are some of the most impressive athletes in every aspect of their yeah. position. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I was, a, I was a blue chip recruit coming out of high school to play college. So I was, you know, had my choice of whichever school I went to essentially yeah. with for full scholarship. And, and so even at that stage, I could, I had offers from schools in the States. And so I thought, you know, Canada, America, it's just about hype. It's just about the media market. It's just <laughs> about all of these other external factors. It's not so much about the quality of the sport. Sure. And then I remember sitting there as a, as a, as a freshman watching, um, I think it was like an Oregon uh, Washington game um, from my dorm room. And there was a guy that was the same age as me, who's a red shirt freshman running towards the end zone. And he did a front flip over a guy to do evade the tackle and landed in the touchdown. So I landed, landed the touchdown on his feet. And I just realized that guy's the same age as me. We're in the same <laughs> recruiting class. And I don't even think I could jump over my couch cushion, let alone <laughs> jump over a guy trying to hit me. And I was like, yeah, I should probably pick up my textbooks and go to class. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. I, um, this is not. I am. I am not following any sort of pipe dream uh, to be chasing competing with people like that. No, so from, that was the kind of a turning point in my mm-hmm. appreciation for just uh, what what otherworldly athlete. And that guy. That guy's annoyed. That guy's not playing pro anyway. No. So um, from that point on, it was kind of a, a pretty put everything in a, in a pretty uh, impressive and fresh perspective for me. Sure. So I, I suppose relating that over to over here, then with soccer, I suppose that's the way that the Scottish view their their SPL or their football to to the Premier League. I suppose. Is a is a is a, a, a comparison that kind of springs to mind. I don't know how familiar you are with uh, with football over here, obviously or soccer as we as we call it. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of deluded. Um, and I'll probably get a lot of heat from Scottish people here, but there's there's quite a lot of delusion that the SPL or the, the Scottish version of football is is somewhat directly comparative to to that of the English um, counterparts. So it's, it's quite it's quite funny from being an Englishman in Scotland and and seeing that kind of it kind of. String it brings it to mind that that's kind of the CFL NFL kind of correlation there, but uh, yeah, that's, that's quite funny. I think that's a, I think that's a good, I think it's an app comparison for sure. <clears throat> cool. So obviously, yeah, obviously, I'll back into you. So being a, obviously a Broncos fan for quite a number of years, I suppose. What what has kind of been a favorite moment of yours? I suppose the Super Bowl immediately springs to mind in the recent future. But have you got any other favorite moments or any bad moments being a, being a Broncos fan? Last year, I suppose, yeah, was well, pretty low. Yeah, to be honest with you, I mean, last year I'm I'm still riding high from the from the from the victory a couple of years ago. So I mean, I grew up I grew up uh, as a football fan. I mean, you know, as a real as a young kid pretending to be Emmett Smith on the on the field kind of thing in that era. Um, but uh, Terrell Davis, when he came into the league for the Denver Broncos, he was uh, um, 
uh, he was a guy that I was excited about. Yeah. Um, and so he was a, he was the reason I wanted to become a running back, which is a position that I played in. So okay. um, I followed him him and um, his career. And that's kind of what uh, led me through the Broncos. And so, you know, then there was the back to back championships in in the late 90s. And uh, that was obviously a high point. And uh, um, from then on, and, you know, I, I it was pretty dark days until the until the recent Super Bowl. So um, uh, I always I, I used to have a shirt that I got made that said life was great in 98. <laughs> um, when I, I had Broncos colors on it. And, um, but yeah, so, I mean, from the, from after those championships, which is basically the beginning of my, uh, my real, uh, um, uh, allegiant fandom as a, as, as a, as a, you know, as a teenager, yeah. um, um, young teenager, that was kind of, that was kind of, uh, what set it off. And so, um, up until it was some lots of dark days, lots of, uh, decent, but you know, uh, teams that didn't quite get there for like 16 years. Right. So, yeah. um, when, you go through that many seasons and then you win, you lose an embarrassing Super Bowl to the Seahawks uh, prior to that. That was a, that was a pretty dark moment. I, you know, and living in the UK, I mean, you're watching the Super Bowl. I mean, it's like three in the morning, or two in the morning. So yeah. I'm sitting there watching my Broncos just get absolutely embarrassed <laughs> by the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. And, um, and then there was a, I think at the beginning of the second half, I was like, okay, we got to come back or whenever this kickoff was. And Percy Harvin took it back for a, for a kick return touchdown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just slammed my laptop closed and I had to do a walk around the walk around my flat and kind of decompress. Yeah. And in that time I was like, no, what kind of, you can't, you're not, a, I'm not a fair weather fan. You know, your team's in the Super Bowl. You, you sit there and you watch it and you take, yeah. you take the lumps and you watch the whole game. So I got over my tantrum, went and opened my laptop back up, put the game, game pass back on. And I missed the only touchdown the Broncos scored so i think See, the final score was 40 was 40 to 8 and i i watched 40 to nothing so <laughs> but I, I think i think that's what we uh, spot of that game. that's what we call karma i think uh, but yeah no I, I certainly know it's being a being a dallas fan is um yeah there's certainly more lows than highs over the, the past couple of years and i, I yeah the, the, i actually quite enjoy part of it of of, of, of supporting the team when they're kind of down in the dumps because it makes the high point the high points so much more so much more worth kind of enjoying and living. So, you know, obviously um, at some point everyone gets their turn. So just hopefully uh, D- Dallas will win a, win a playoff game in my lifetime, but uh, I, won't, I won't put my bottom dollar on it. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, that's, so, that's so true though. I mean, I really can't describe, I mean, every team that I've ever rooted for in my um, kind of sports fandom generally is they're, they don't need to win. So to have this kind of at a mature age, uh, to have had the Super Bowl win for the Broncos a couple years ago, I mean, that was... That really, that really took some pressure off. I've been yeah. just, I've been just relaxed since. I mean, um, and so you know that that uh, this year coming now that there's, you know, we'll get into some of the rebuilding and stuff. But um, I've been quite satiated by their championships. So for the last two years, I said I, I've given them a bit of a pass. I said, you know what, like let everybody kind of just chill out. And now it's kind of like right, we still got Von Miller, we still got it, we still got some linchpin pieces that we should, uh, um, that we should maximize it. There's still a window of opportunity here. Yeah. But you know. The pressure is much less than it was when Manning came, and then after the disappointment, and then you know to come back yep. and, and win that Super Bowl. Yep. I'm good for a while. I yeah. went 16 years without in between championships after back to back. So um, I definitely appreciate that one. I don't, and um, you know, so 
I can have a much clearer head as a supporter of the team, knowing that they've they've given that. Uh, I, as a, it's a bit of a longer spell for you as a as a as a as a Cowboys fan. But, yeah, and I yeah uh, I, I, you, I you'll get you'll, you'll get yours. <laughs> Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, so I know, obviously, speaking to you prior uh, to 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 coming on, obviously you wanted to to have an, a, a rant about John Elway. So I don't know if it now is an appropriate time to do that, or if you want to go into last season and then kind of have your rant about Elway. But obviously, the, the pressure's kind of off him because obviously he's delivered. Delivered a Super Bowl to, to the Broncos as well. It's kind of sprung to my mind. So you just you just let me know yeah, when well, you, when was, you're bottled uh, up and you wanna you wanna kind of let go on on, on John Elway. It's it's funny, you know what? I I was kind of that rant was very much. I had a, I had a completely different idea of what um, I had my hopes of what he would do in the draft, and I had my um, my fears of what he would do in the draft, and generally, when he his his drafting track record hasn't been too great. So no, it hasn't. No. I, I have to say, I, I probably it's a good thing I bit my tongue because I'm really happy with the draft that he did this year. I think it's very fan friendly, but I think it's also really good for the team. So yeah, I, I think you know, I think I I, I was I'm, I'm happy to hold judgment um, to see how this year turns out because uh, I think they've they've done a heck of a job this year. So um, yeah, uh, you know, I I I I, I um. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic now. I was a bit nervous, but uh, no, I'm, I think uh, I think he's having a good few months. <laughs> uh, you, make, you make it sound like you're waiting for the downturn, but uh, yeah, let's um, let's yeah, let's focus on the draft then. So obviously, yeah, there was quite a lot of um, rumors going around that the, the Buffalo Bills were going to trade with with Denver for pick number five, but when. Uh, Bradley Chubb obviously fell into in, fell into the laps, and then that kind of called called that trade off from uh, John Elway. So I, I assume that you're you're happy with obviously the first round pick there of of Nick Chubb, uh, Bradley Chubb. Yeah, I mean to be honest with you, I think that that is just such an absolute steal. I mean the fact that he was even there at the fifth uh, fifth overall pick. I mean the, you can make a serious case that he was the best of it, best athlete, best football player in the draft. Yeah, yeah. and um, to get him at number five is uh, is pretty is pretty incredible. Um, I really, and this is kind of where the, the Elway rant was stemming from, is there was just so many athletes on the board, so many potentially transcendent kind of generational players in this draft. And I just couldn't stomach the idea of him taking Quentin Nelson, the, uh, a guard at number five, which is kind of all these rumors. Everybody's talking about him fortifying the offensive line. And yeah. you know, we can talk about Garrett Bowles and uh, um, last year's first so first round pick um, at, at tackle, who is, you know, um, a lot of pressures riding on him. So this is where I was expecting and I was nervous that he was going to be chasing past mistakes uh, yeah. to um, over to kind of to solidify some positions and miss some of these some of these players and um, and then you know with the idea that there's going to be a d- different quarterback who was going to be there at five I mean to end up with Bradley Chubb is um, I was absolutely giddy <laughs> because if you you line him up on the same side or even opposite sides for depending on how the how the defense is going to work with Von Miller and um, some other kind of development talents that they've got on that team. Um, I think uh, you know you're back to a position where you can really have a truly dominant um, pass rush, and, and Chubb is also a, such a physical, strong player that he can really penetrate um, in in rush defense as well. He's not just a, a straight speed guy; he's he's got pretty good power, power, pretty good balance, and he's got pretty good field awareness. So I I, I like him as a pick. Yeah. But I mean, that's that's an, that was an easy pick. I don't think you can no. that, that that Elway or anybody needs too much credit there. I think my grandmother no. would have made the right pick at number yeah. five if Bradley Chubb was still on the board. Absolutely. Um, but I think it's the rest of the draft that um, really starts to get you excited in terms of what that offense can can potentially be in terms of um, some good talent there. I think um, you know, obviously, Cortland Sutton is a is a pretty big and exciting uh, receiver. 
Um, he's still a developmental project, I think. You know, uh, there, he is. He's a he's a big dominant athlete with great hands, and I think he's a great red zone threat. But I don't know that he's got the route running ability that he's going to really make an impact on day one. And you know, they're keeping in mind there's still Emmanuel Sanders, there's still Demarius Thomas there that are these are still pretty high caliber athletes. So as much attention as Cortland Sutton's getting for that um, with that pick, yeah. rightfully so. Um, I think uh, I think Deshaun Hamilton is probably you know quietly more. Um, poised to have an immediate impact on the field, just given his more mature route running ability and, yeah. um, and his character. I think he's, I think, you know, I think if you look at someone like Cooper Cup last year, um, who came in fairly under the radar as a pick, I think he was a second or third round um, receiver pick, but coming in at the slot, um, yeah. being such a precise, crisp route runner. And there's a history for this um, that people who have um, are proficient route runners are more poised to make an immediate impact at the NFL. Yeah. And so um, I, that's why I think. Deshaun Hamilton is um, an exciting addition to maybe have an immediate on-field impact. Um, and then Cortland Sutton, I think, is a, in, has a much higher ceiling in the long term to be a real maybe Mike Evansy or kind of uh, one of these big athletic freaks that can dominate on the outside and in the red zone. And um, I, I like athletes like that. I like chasing receivers like that. Um, but they, you know, they take a bit. Corey Davis was hurt quite a bit last year for Tennessee, but you can look at players like, like this that are – big freaks but you know they, they're a bit of a slow burn yeah now and then certainly just to to further to that point obviously uh Cortland sutton was one that was tied by the cowboys uh obviously in the, in the in the first round but i think i think deshaun hamilton's are still in i think what was the fourth round that i think you got him in uh no it's no, sixth yeah. uh, fourth round yeah, yeah. they had, a, quite, had quite had quite a lot of picks the broncos but uh, i think what what kind of sells it for me from the broncos perspective if you're a broncos fan is the fact that, that those two wide receivers there have got the perfect two wide receivers to learn off for a couple of years and then they can pass the baton over you know they're, they're similar molds for for each you know deshaun Hamilton's quite like uh, and Emmanuel Sanders is a very good route runner and Cortland Sutton is a, is a playmaker you know big guy um, and I, I don't think he, they both could have landed in in a kind of a better spot really no absolutely and you know you know say we feel about Case Keenum and you know the jury's still out in terms of what is which Case Keenum's going to show up this year but they're everybody in the Broncos organization seems to be uh, singing the same tune about his competency and his uh, leadership coming in and so having a mature quarterback even though he's a rookie uh, he's first year with the Broncos you know that's a big difference that's a very different situation than what those other guys have had the last uh, you know since since Peyton retired so we've got a real quarterback there that at least knows how to shape shape these guys and who's um, got a tendency for putting the ball up so I think that's one of the things that is is favoring Cortland Sutton if he gets on the field and depending on how much he gets on the field is he's got a quarterback that's willing to throw it up yeah Um, and so that that benefits him and then you've got Deshaun Hamilton who is building some chemistry with him already in in the in the in the early workouts Um, so yeah I think uh, as you said Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas you've got a pretty serious core group of guys there that uh to mold, shape, and compete with, and I think that's only going to yield benefit uh, benefit to the team. Yeah. And then the other side that we talked, we haven't really touched on, but Royce Freeman. I mean, I think that that is really he's you know he's a, he is I think going to be a legit kind of plug and play starter. I I I am hopeful also because I have him on my fantasy dynasty team <laughs> that he's going to um, edge out Booker for that starting role. And judging by the initial re- reactions from camp, uh, um, you know I. I I wouldn't be surprised that happens, but no. uh, just his style of play. I mean, he is a he is a bell cow, bruising runner. I think he averaged like 250 carries, uh, 250 carries a year in college, something like that. Um, he was banged up two years ago, but he had a good season last year. And, yeah, and um, you know he's a, he's just a thick. He's he's kind of physique wise, size wise, and and uh, explosiveness. 
he's got a good frame to kind of be a bit of a battering ram, but he's got good explosive uh, speed that he can power through and he can he can make people miss and get get around the corner. So yeah, I like what he brings. He does maybe just because I'm a homer. Uh, he he does remind me a little bit of Terrell Davis, and he looks kind of like a young, fresher, faster C.J. Anderson. So yeah, I mean, I was as soon as I I was excited that C.J. Anderson that they let him go, not because. Um, not because I didn't like C.J. Anderson as a player when he was on the field, um, but because I I knew that that signaled that they were going to be going after some of these uh, some of these running backs in this in this draft, and there were some real talented football players at that position in in this class. So um, I think that's an absolute steal. And they also supplemented him with a couple other running backs in the later rounds, some kind of um, and a and a uh, um, and a, uh, uh, the undrafted guy too. So they've got. They've got a lot of athletes that are going to be in that position group with D'Angelo Henderson and, and uh, Devontae Booker. So yeah. uh, that's a really exciting position group to watch. And But then all this all this takes us back to really what, what the Broncos' season rides or dies on, um, which is the offensive line. So the offensive line at Case Keenum are going to dictate what happens with the Broncos' team this year. And yeah. I think the defense is fortified and adding Bradley Chubb to an already talented group even with the loss of uh, Akeem Tlaib. Um, you know, I think that defense has a, has a has a potential to be top five um, and taking a lot of the pressure off the defense with a better offense this year. But um, in terms of the draft, I mean, I, I think any Broncos fan is pretty excited and pretty ecstatic uh, uh, about how much better the team looks now than it did before. But, you know, we still got some vulnerabilities. Yeah. Now, certainly Royce Freeman, just to touch on your point there about beating out Devontae Booker, I think with Devontae uh, Booker, I, th- I think if he was going to have the job, I think he'd have had it by now. I mean, he's had a couple of stabs at the at the gig, and I don't, I just don't think he was quite explosive when he first came into the league. I think he may, it was mainly a, a primarily a, a th- the third down back or the passing down back. Um, but certainly, I think I think Royce Freeman is is one of the candidates of all the rookies that were that were drafted in this year's draft to kind of be the, the, uh, a bell cow. Um, you know, m- maybe even from right from the start. I mean, they might m- might ease him in a little bit, but certainly Royce Freeman is one that I'd be I'll be targeting in in dynasty. I'm doing a couple of dynasty startups this year, so he's a guy that I'll, I'll probably be looking at. Um, but I think he's again, he's a he's a pretty good fee. He's what two two hundred thirty-four pounds. I think probably maybe slightly over average, but you know he is a very 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 tough runner. Um, and, and say yeah, he's, he still he still ran like a four five four. Yeah, and that's uh, that's yeah. that's the crazy part. I mean, that's a that's a really explosive uh, uh, guy to be coming through the hole. And if you watch his tape, uh, if you watch his college tape, and you watch you watch how he runs. Um, obviously, Oregon runs this kind of like fast spread offense, but yeah. he, he's got a lot of patience and really quick vision. And he, you know, he his hips seem a little bit stiff, but I think that's more just a reflection of his frame because his change of direction is quite good, and he's able to kind of cut through and find the seams and 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 cut back quite well. And 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 I just like the way he he runs through contact. So yeah, um, yeah, I he, you know if you if you watch his tape, he he runs a lot like Kareem Hunt. If you if you compare a lot of uh, the way he kind of uh, his size and how he how he powers through contact, he's um, yeah. He's an impressive guy. Uh, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be a heck of a player. Yeah, like, and I say, as you mentioned, there obviously he's a up, up, an up, no doubt, an upgrade on on CJ Anderson, I think, who I think was on the wrong side of maybe I think late twenties, early thirties now. I think isn't he? Um, obviously he's he's gone over to where did he go? He's gone to Carolina. Carolina. Um, yeah. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see obviously because he'll fill a role there as well with the outgoing Jonathan Stewart, obviously to the Giants. But yeah, no, so I certainly I'm certainly not worried from. That standpoint that Royce Freeman could quite easily walk in, walk into a three down role there, but yeah, again, Janjo Henderson, I think he's been there a year or two now as well, so it'll be interesting to see kind of what the depth chart kind of looks like on there. But again, Devontae Booker's not really one that that worries me from a fantasy standpoint anyway. But um, yeah, just we'll just go back to we touch on last season. Obviously, you had a new head coach last year, Vance Joseph. Um, 
It was a bit of a weird one for Denver, I, I thought, last season. Obviously demolished uh, the Cowboys, which I very much appreciated watching back on All or Nothing, so thanks for that. Yeah. Um, started actually very well, went 3-1. Uh, and one. A loss to the Bills, which was the surprising um, in game three, losing to the to the Bills was quite a strange one, but that was a way, I suppose. But home, you know, home wins against the Chargers, the Cowboys, and the, and the Raiders, kind of before the, five, the the week five bye, kind of set up as if it was going to be a, a decent season for the Broncos. But then it just kind of went pear shaped from there. You know, I think you had uh, was it seven straight losses, eight straight losses, or something like that. And it, that's, you know, it wasn't the easiest of schedules, but still, you know, shut out against the Chargers, loss against a, a, a poor Giants, which knocked me out of the last man standing competition. competition did that last year as well so double down on the Broncos hating on, on me and the Cowboys but um what did what did you make of last season kind of where, where did it why did it fall apart after the bye week well I mean I think you can point to two positions that kind of were the that were the downfall of the Broncos and I think they're still the two biggest question marks going into this season is the offensive line and the quarterback I mean you know they had they put a lot of pressure on Garrett Bowles um who's their first who ended up starting and and um of Forgive me. I, um, I th- we lost uh, we lost a couple a couple bodies on our off, off of our offensive line yeah. um, that had been kind of benchmark um, uh, or kind of bookends for for a long time and and so you know I think Garrett Bowles was like the he's one of the most off most pe- most penalized uh, offensive linemen in the league last year. He's like most or second most or something like that in terms mm-hmm. of giving up penalties um, on the offensive line. And so if when you're most crucial to pe- uh, crucial position on that line is is uh, is not holding holding it down um that's pretty tough to, to overcome at the quarterback position on the run game uh, offensively you know i mean you, I, th- I think something that uh you know the one of them gave up one of the most sacks in the, in the league yeah. and you've got the car- quarterback carousel of guys that just couldn't get it done simeon seemed like he was capable and this was all the hopes but you know when you cr- when you crumble around him um, you know, you don't have you didn't have a person at that position that could really kind of elevate the people around them. But yeah. you know, if you're not blocking, if you're not blocking people, or you're putting yourself in second and fifteen or first and fifteen, you know, most of the most of the series, you know, that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You get in a third and long situation, you're going to be taking more desperate throws to try to make plays. You're going to give up more turnovers. You're going to put your defense in a short field. Yeah. I mean, this is just a recipe for losing at football. Yeah. So, well, I mean, um, I mean, when you look at these things, I mean, it's uh, they didn't deserve to do. And have any better of a record than they did. So, okay. um, I think the defense is still fantastic. There's still tons of athletes, but you know the, the when you're putting them into giving up the turning over the ball in your own red zone kind of thing. Uh, uh, I mean, that's what's going to happen. So, yardage wise, yeah. Broncos didn't give up such awful yardage as a defense. It was just they gave up a lot of points because they were put in bad spots. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the the carousel of Simeon Lynch and, and the Brock Lobster was um, it's not not. They're not they're not great quarterbacks, and obviously Case Keenum, even if he shows what seventy five percent of what he showed last year in Minnesota is obviously going to be an upgrade. But yeah, just to just to mention obviously about your offensive line there, I think that was also illustrated quite beautifully by but you know Cowboys losing Tyron Smith for a couple of weeks and just watching Chaz Green, the human turnstile, uh, give up all those sacks <laughs> against Atlanta was oh my god, it was watershed stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, just to, I mean, just it's it's amazing what that position can can make or break the team, and and uh, it's not a very flashy, glamorous no. um, thing to talk about or pay attention to, and it's hard to watch on tape unless you you know you know, know people are making a point to watch for it. But you know, I think you know Garrett Bowles, he was a you know a rookie uh, a rookie left tackle. Um, I mean, that's a that's a big ask, um, and I you know there's a lot of expectations for him to grow in his second year, and I think that I think that. Uh, if he does, the Broncos will have a fantastic season. I think they could be a playoff team. If he struggles and continues to struggle, 
then I think that it's going to basically be dictate the Broncos are going to struggle. I think Case Keenum will struggle. Yeah. Um, you know, and they brought Jared Valdir over from uh, I think it was the Cardinals, um, and who's probably going to end up playing at the right tackle spot. And he's you know he's a veteran guy with a lot of experience. Um, I think he's going to be a good um, character on that offensive line in that room and in that group to help hopefully shape Garrett Bowles. And I'm sure that's been a big a big point of uh, what his expectations are from the team. Um, and so, you know, I'm optimistic that they've um, improved the offensive line. Yes. I mean, they didn't. There wasn't a much talent in this draft, uh, according to the you know to the, to the scouts and evaluators, in terms of first round um, left tackles. There were no generational left tackles, left tackle grades this 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 go. So, um, there wasn't much to improve from the draft. But yeah. you know, I so let's see. I mean, uh, they did a bit. Will it be enough? I'm you know. I'm not an offensive line coach, so I I, uh, I will reserve judgment. But I think that that what happens there is going to dictate the season. Yeah. And as you talk about Case Keenum, I mean, guy had a heck of a year last year. Pat Shermer obviously did a heck of a job um, with the Minnesota Vikings in terms of um, how they ran that offense. And you know, Case Keenum throws up a lot of scary footballs, and you don't know <laughs> who's going to come down with it. But you know, more often than not, he's put them in the right place. Lots of rainbows to Stephon Diggs that were uh, pretty incredible to watch. And, yeah. Uh, um, you know, so so if he shows up like that and he plays plays well, but I think if he has if he has good protection, I think he'll play well, and I yeah. think he's going to make gutsy throws and he's going to make some bad picks. Um, I'm sure he will because he throws into tight windows and he throws contested balls, and that's inevitable what happens. But you, know, you got Demarius Thomas, you've got um, Cortland Sutton. Hopefully, you know we'll see what he does, but you've got people that you can throw those balls up to, and you've got athletes and playmakers who can go up and get it. Yeah. So if we protect, if they protect, if they protect the quarterback, and they've got a good balanced rushing attack with a guy like Royce Freeman, who's also catching out of the backfield, keeping the defense uh, honest, you know, there's lots of potential for Case Keenum to be in a be well positioned yeah. to execute and do what he, he does and, and do what he did last year and, and, and have success. And so, but I, I think again, it comes down to left tackle. If left tackle does a job. Case Keenum is going to have a 75% chance, uh, better chance of, uh, of having a good season. So um, I'm optimistic though. I, I, I like what I read about. It. I like the way that Case Keenum has been approaching it, but you know um, how much of that leadership pulls through if you start throwing three picks a game and your yeah. team's um, one and four. I mean, ask Ryan Fitzpatrick. That doesn't really, you know, you can be the smartest guy with best character and a great leader, but, you know, he's you know, he's a backup and he's on his, like, sixth team. So, yeah, exactly. um, I hope. Yeah, like, I mean, we, just... We'll see. Yeah, I mean, just a, just a couple of stats, obviously, on, on last season. Like you say, they gave up quite a lot of sacks. So, a third in the league at giving... Uh, third most uh, sacks they've given up. Second in, in the worst uh, turnover differential with minus 17, which I didn't actually kind of appreciate how bad... Uh, like, your, your point there, we putting the other team in, in good spots and you're giving up a lot of, of points rather than yardage. Um, but yeah, you failed to score 20 plus points uh, in 10 times and the only only away win versus the Colts who pretty much everyone steamrolled last year. Um, and the, one interesting stat that I didn't really kind of know until I looked it up, but they rushed rushed at 393 attempts last year and, and 332 passing. Now, I know you're saying obviously Case Keenum's up, an upgrade uh, to the offense and, and the passing game, but I do think that they will probably keep keep a similar type of, of ratio there, maybe a bit more to back towards the pass. But at least, you know, when you, you will be asked to pass in, in game scripts and times at this uh, next season, at least you'll have a, a more competent quarterback than, you know, the three you had last year. So at least, you know, you're, you're hoping that those, obviously, those turnovers come down because that's obviously quite high. But I, th- I certainly think... Well, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to make a difference. 
Go on. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I was just going to say, obviously, with with the defence and taking Bradley Chubb, uh, Bradley Chubb uh, and then taking, obviously, Royce Freeman, I do think they'll they'll predominantly just about be a, a run-first offence with Case Keenum needing to make throws when, when he, you know, when third and six, third and seven, that kind of stuff as well. Again, providing the, the offensive line uh, kind of stands up and protects and, and blocks well. Um, but that, that that's kind of how I see the Broncos' offence going into uh, next year. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think you're right. I mean, you know, I, uh, and I think that you can see that in how they're building that team and yeah. by the, by the acquisitions that they've made. So um, I like it. I, you know, you get Bradley Chubb instead of uh, um, you know instead of a Josh Rosen that allows you, and you've got a guy like uh, you know they basically were able to get an extra player and an extra player by the way that the draft rolled out. So yeah. um, you know, to, to come out of a draft with potentially with potentially you know, three legitimate starters at like um, at Royce Freeman, Cortland Sutton, um, and and uh, Bradley Chubb. Obviously, I mean that's pretty. You know, that's a that's a pretty big win. I mean, yeah. second round picks are a bit of a coin flip. Third round picks continue to be even more of a coin flip. Yeah. So and, and certainly if, if yeah, and then that's not even considering Deshaun Hamilton. No, absolutely. Yeah, well, I was to say that was the, I thought I thought I was a steal myself personally. So yeah, I mean, if if Case Keenum's not able to make the third and sixes and the third and seven sixes, at least you've got the marquee punter in Marquette King signed from the uh, from the Raiders, which was a strange one. John Gruden letting him that, go, but uh, there we go. Absolutely love that. That was uh, Mar- Marquette King. As a Broncos fan, it, you know, pained me to be so um, excited by a punter from the Raiders. So yeah. to see him with the right color jersey on now is. Uh, Makes me excited to be a Marquette. It might, that might be my next jersey. Is a yeah. Marquette King jersey. I think that guy is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic for He's, the NFL. So, yeah. um, I, I look forward to him pinning it on the one against the against the Raiders and seeing him with some sort of animated celebration. It's yeah. great. Yeah, he's certainly, he's certainly a character. He's obviously he's one of the guys that makes the NFL a bit more colourful. Uh, in obviously all these highlights and all these celebrations, that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, it's certainly certainly a, str- a strange one from Oakland. But he doesn't like anyone under the age of thirty. So John Gruden doesn't. So. But there, but there we go. But just a, just a, a point on the AFC West. Obviously, quite a lot of teams in the, in that division have improved, but there's also quite a lot of transition there as well. With obviously Kansas going to Pat Mahomes, uh, Oakland changing absolutely everything pretty much on on that offense there in terms of coaching and um, obviously Doug Martin going over as well and uh, Jordy Nelson and what have you. How how do you see kind of the AFC West panning out next year? Because it's it's quite a, an intriguing division. Yeah, I mean the. Um... If you had the, if you had the Oakland Raiders current roster as your fantasy league team from four years ago, you'd be pretty ecstatic. But <laughs> um, right now, it looks like a bit of a wild card. So, I mean, I like John Gruden. He's uh, he's got a good track record for success, but he's been out of the league for a long time. So, I feel like he um, it, he's going to be interesting to watch and see what he does with that team. They're a bit of a wild card. Yeah. Um, obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs have a lot of talented football players, and and they are obviously really big on Pat Mahomes this year. And yeah. Um, you know, one thing that people are, are with all the Kareem Hunt buzz from last year. I mean, they've got Spencer Ware coming back as well. So, yep. I mean, they already had a talented running back there before before Kareem Hunt came in and sold the show. Yeah. Um, and so that's going to be an interesting dynamic to watch. And also, be, you know, if you've got two, two sets of fresh legs running against you uh, from that team with a guy with a cannon for an arm that you've got to keep respect for over the top 10, um, they've, they've got potential to be pretty lethal on offense with Ty- Ty- Tyreek Hill and, um, and Andy Reid being who he is. Uh, so, yeah, they're a scary team. But to be honest, I think the big... You know the real team to watch is the Phil uh, is uh, Philip Rivers and the and San, uh, sorry L A Chargers. Um, <laughs> so I, I say San Diego all the time too. Don't worry, it take, it's going to take me a long time to get over that. 
you know, that team, that team, you can't really find a hole in that team's roster. I mean, they've got an incredible, you know, Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram uh, on, on defensive line. You know, they've got a phenomenal secondary. Uh, they've got a phenomenal receiving core. I mean, they've had so many injuries on this team. Uh, and unfortunately, especially as a Hunter Henry owner in both my keeper league, um, that I've always drafted him, and uh, and also in my dynasty league, I paid a premium for him in our auction draft. Uh, to have him going out is uh, is pretty devastating. Yeah. But I mean, they've got something. Mean, Keenan Allen is uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, Mike Williams. They've got so many other athletes on the uh, uh, on that team. Um, you know, even they they've uh, uh, Philip Rivers is an all time great, and he just can't get over the Schneid. But I think he. He is potential to have a big year. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I like the Chargers. I like to watch them play. Yeah. I think they are an exciting team. They're a dynamic team, and you know they, you know they almost made the playoffs last year, and yeah. I, they should have made the playoffs last year. They, the playoffs would have been better to have them in it. Yeah. So I mean, I think you know, no matter which way you, which way you look at it, um, they've. I think they're the favorites to win the division, and um, you know, let's see what happens. But they're they're a heck of a football team. Yeah, I mean, certainly, um, you know, my my first anti-post bet for for next season is was the Chargers was before the Hunter and Henry injury. Yeah, I thought they were way overpriced at thirty threes to to win, it, especially in a, you know what is usually a weak AFC at the moment um, com- compared to the NFC. But yeah, no, just a, a couple of names you mentioned there. Spencer Ware, I think, is a great pickup in late in in drafts. Uh, for fantasy, because you know, it's not it's not to say that Kareem Hunt still has a majority share of that backfield, and Andy Reid sometimes throws a bit of a spanner in the works. And like I say, before he went down last season, Spencer Ware was the lead back, so it'd be quite interesting to see how that kind of backfield shapes out. I, think, I don't think that's as clear cut as as people maybe tend to think. You know, Kareem Hunt going in the first round is just screams bust to me all day long. But um, and the other one there, Mike Williams, I think you know his second year. Obviously, he was out last for most of last year with a was it herniated disc in his back. Uh, I certainly think that he'll step forward, especially more so that Hunter Henry's no longer going to be there this season. Um, but he's another one that's you know not even going drafted in in some redraft league. So I think he's another a name to look out late in late in drafts. Is it any of those players? Yeah, you, I agree. Philip Philip Rivers is another one who's always perennial, uh, perennially under, undervalued, and I I take him every year. Um, I love I love Philip Rivers. I mean he's he's prone to a, a couple of no, no no touchdown three interception type games, but uh, yeah, and he doesn't offer much running. But he's he's as safe as they come in fantasy. Yeah, yeah, no, I think uh, I think you're right on the money there. Um, I mean, as I said, I've been I've been super high on Hunter Henry for for a long time, and uh, I was expecting to reap all the benefits of my my astute scouting yeah. of the tight end position, only to be devastated the other day, just before I um, drafted um, in my in my rookie uh, yeah. in my rookie dynasty draft league. So I ended up having to take another extra tight end as a result. He was uh, but, he was uh, he was quite frustrating last year as well. I think he picked he picked up a goose egg in weeks one, three, and five or something. The the, the odds and even split weeks were, were quite frustrating. So I think I had a Hunter Henry in some in some leagues as well. But um, yeah, every every year you you think the stars align for Hunter Henry, and then something obviously happens. Or you know, and I saw that obviously they're gonna they reached out to Antonio Gates. Um, I saw a report somewhere about 38 year old Antonio Gates so it's going to it's going to be at least another one year before before Hunter Henry kind of breaks out but I think I think that now with with the focus that was on Hunter Henry I think you're kind of paying for that now in drafts anyway because that you know last year you could have got him quite cheap but this year I think before the injury was going round to four and five anyway so yeah 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 exactly Okay, so that's obviously yeah, Bron- So just to final final uh, thoughts on the Broncos, what what would you expect to be an ex- success for for twenty eighteen? What obviously pushing for a wild card or a division title, uh, I guess, would be some kind of success. But 
you know, second year under Vance Joseph usually sees uh, an improvement after you know any teething problems from last year. You know, the, the team should have a bit more chemistry. What 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 do you kind of expect, and what do you see a success or failure for the Broncos next season? Well, I I mean, I think it really if you're not in the playoffs, it's not a it's not a success. I mean, the AFC could be very competitive. Uh, the AFC West could be very competitive. Yeah. So, I mean, you could you could have a winning record and still not make the playoffs. But I mean, obviously, the Broncos an organization like that. You know, if if Vance Joseph doesn't come out of the season with a winning record or at least kind of a, within one game of 500, then I think he's going to be having some hard conversations with Elway. I mean, it's a pretty stable organization, but yeah. you don't usually get two losing seasons out, out the gate, especially now that I think they're pretty confident in the caliber of talent they have on the team. Yeah. Whereas I think last year he got a bit of a pass because they, you know, there were some obvious holes. Um, so you know, my expectations are for them. You know, at, at their peak, if you know, if the, as again, I think if the offensive line performs well in the run and pass protection, um, then I think Case Keenum should have no excuses to not play well. And if that's the case, then I think that they can definitely compete for the division for the division or for a wild card in the AFC. It's not too um, there's no there's very few teams in the AFC that I that that don't have a shot at a wild card. No. So no, um, no. I think I think I think that that's part of it. So but as a fan, obviously anything short of a Super Bowl is disappointing. I'm sure that was what the line will be coming out of there, but uh, you know, I think this is a this is basically going to dictate like how far are we from being uh, a stable team that we're going to continue to develop on what we have, or how many of these pieces we've plugged in here do we need to rebuild? And I think that you know, it's the quarterback position and the offensive line. Everywhere else, I'm pretty confident um, yeah. in in the talent, of the players. So let's see. Uh, you know, as I said, it's uh, they're going to be in tough. Nothing is guaranteed, but I don't think winning the division is uh, anywhere out of the cards. But I think they'd be. I think they'll be tough. Tough press to get more than ten or eleven wins. Yeah, I mean certainly, I said it's a winnable. So I've got the schedule in front of me here. It's quite a winnable <laughs> schedule, and I think with the, the in terms of the AFC wild card kind of kind of push. I mean, any, any AFC East is just going to be the Patriots. So I don't really see any of the other three teams really pushing. I mean, Bills are obviously a bit of an exception last year, but I don't, I don't really see a repeat there. Um, AFC South would be quite competitive, but you face the Texans Week Nine. Um, AFC North, uh, you, I think you face the AFC North. Let me, yeah, you, yeah, you, you face all three in the AFC North this season. So wins against the the, the Ravens and the, and the Bengals would hopefully see. Obviously, it, it would tell Broncos fans where kind of the team are in terms of you know the barometer of how well they're performing. But obviously, you know, there's it, not. There's not a lot on the schedule there that I'm worried about, apart from the divisional games. So I suppose it, it will, like it usually does, come down to divisional games in the in the West. Yeah, and I think one of the big things over this year, uh, this year over last year, is um, you know those early season games before you're really game planning so much um, with the same kind of precision as you are later in the season. You know those early season games are a lot easier to win than they are later in the season, and so. Yeah. Coming through training camp, coming through OTAs with this, with your guy, with your lead quarterback, um, is a big difference in terms of how you're positioned to try to have some support and, and be able to attack those games from an effective plan and a bit more of a, a cohesion as a unit. So hopefully they can get those early, you know, those early September wins, um, and then that will kind of set them up for for the longer slog down down through the second half of the season. So let's see. I think I think if they're you know, I think they need to kind of fit, start the season kind of like three and one, four and one to yeah. Um, um, real, you know, they're not going to be able to dig themselves out of the hole. So no. I think, as you say, there's too too many tough games in the division that they're going to need to. I think they're going to need to come hot out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, the first first five games, I think you're home home to Seahawks, home to Raiders, at Ravens, home to Chiefs, at Jets. So, like you like you say, I think you you really want to be four and one after those five because then you go you go Rams at Cardinals, at Chiefs, home to Texans. They that could be a bit 
bit more trickier before the week 10 bye. Uh, and then after the bye, obviously, you'll have the Chargers twice. You've got the Steelers uh, and at, at 49ers, who could be a bit of a dark horse this season. But you know, there are there are certainly some winnable games in there. Um, but yeah, certainly, you know, before the bye, you kind of want to be on six or seven wins, I suppose, to then not have to do so much coming out of the bye. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right, uh, we'll we'll do a little game with you, uh, Derek. Uh, so we what I normally do with all the guys that come on is I I'll, I'll pick a player. I didn't really want to pick uh, quarterback last season because it was a bit of a uh, bit of a nightmare. So I've gone I've gone CJ Anderson, and what we're going to do is um, we're going to I'm going to give you CJ Anderson and another player, and you have to tell me who who had more rushing yards last season. No one no one's got oh, the full okay. no one's got the full five yet. So we're still waiting for our first full house. Someone got four last week, but um, we'll, we'll see how you do. So. CJ Anderson, I won't tell you what his rush yards were, so because I like to make it difficult. But um, who had more rushing yards last season, CJ Anderson or Ezekiel Elliott? How many games did Ezekiel Elliott miss last year? Uh, he missed six. Oh, then I'll say CJ. Correct. Do you want to guess? Do you want to guess how how different? How many how many yards were the difference? Um. So Zeke played then. He played 10, ten games. games. Ten games, yeah. So he and he probably finished with what? I think I don't think he's far off a thousand though. He's probably what like eight oh. eight eighty or nine forty something like that. He yeah nine. I hope yeah yeah nine eighty three. Okay, which is so a, which just is shy, a, shy of a thousand. I think yeah. I think CJ probably had like I don't know like thousand like not. I don't think he broke eleven hundred, but yeah, I think he no. broke a thousand. No, he, right. he just yeah, just about broke a thousand. But without without giving too much away for the other guys, I'll, I'll, I'll we'll, okay. <laughs> we'll leave that one there. Uh, C.J. Anderson or Alex Collins? Alex Collins, man, uh, the 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 Ravens don't run the ball. It's got to be C.J. Uh, that is also correct. Yep, yeah. uh, slightly slightly bigger. He had ten less. Uh, he had nine seven three. He had ten less than Zeke. So that's two out okay. of two. Um, we've got uh, C.J. Anderson or Melvin Gordon. Uh, Melvin Gordon did not break a thousand yards. He was three yards short. Oh, uh, then we have. A, I, I've got him here as eleven hundred. Uh, Melvin Gordon. Bear me two seconds. Oh, was that the, was that the previous year? Yeah, it might. Yeah, I think it was because I think he missed a couple of games the, the season before. Damn. Okay. <laughs> if, we, if, if I got you on the podcast last year, you'd have got that one right. So. Uh, <laughs> We'll uh, move on. So uh, next one is C.J. Anderson or Frank Gore. Frank Gore. I don't. Uh, C.J. Correct. Yep. Frank Gore didn't manage to break a um, thousand. He got nine hundred and sixty-one last year. Yeah. So that's that's three from four. And then the last one, uh, C.J. Anderson or Leonard Fournette. Sorry, what was the? Uh, Leonard, Leonard Fournette, the Jacksonville Jaguars running back, or CJ Anderson? Oh, Leonard Fournette. Yeah, that was uh, this one. I, I put that one in there because uh, although that seems easy, Leonard Fournette only ran for thirty-three yards more than, than CJ Anderson did last year. Because obviously, Fournette, Fournette missed a oh. few games as well. But so I, I thought that was actually quite close. Yeah, he's uh, Leonard Fournette. He's my uh, he's my favorite guy. Yeah, favorite guy in the league. But yeah, no, it just it, I suppose that just puts you know those those five names that I ran out. It just just shows you actually how well that CJ Anderson actually ran the ball last year. Yeah, he's a heck of a player. I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I just uh, you know, good on him. Good luck, and I think he'll be. He, he's got a good spot to be in. Uh, Carolina too, so yeah, we'll see how he goes. Yeah, no, I, I certainly he's a he's a player I like. Oh, hello! <laughs> Someone breaking into the cars. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, CJ Anderson certainly will pick up quite a lot of uh, of the workload there in, in Carolina, taking over from obviously Jonathan Stewart. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see. He's, he's quite. He's, he's another one that if you for fantasy players out there, if you if you go wide receivers early and you need to pick up a running back in the later round, CJ Anderson, I think is, is you can do a lot worse than, than CJ Anderson. So. Um, okay, so that's, that's pretty much the Broncos. So let's talk uh, p- people away from the Broncos. So are there any other? Obviously, we, you said that you like watching the Chargers. Uh, so, you know, similar similar comments here as well. But are there any other teams or players that you kind of like watching either? You know, recently or, or obviously when you got back in when you got into the NFL. So I mean, obviously the um, um, especially being in London, uh, you know, how can you not get be at least be paying attention to the Jacksonville Jaguars? But I've been I've been following them for a few years. They're definitely my um, they're definitely one of my other teams. It's weird to have another team in the AFC that I'm kind of um, cheering for. Yeah. But uh, obviously, I it goes back to it just comes back to Leonard Fournette. I guess as a former running back, as a former running back, I'm always kind of um, following those college athletes to see who is um, who's exciting and who's kind of who are interesting characters that, that inspire me. And, and Leonard Fournette, since. Uh, you know, his throughout his career at LSU, I just thought he was a phenomenal football player. I was excited to watch him, to watch his highlights, to watch his tape, and and see where he was going to go in the NFL. And um, I like rooting for the underdogs still. Yeah. I, and so, um, you know, watching them and having the kind of London ties and seeing the the way they've been rebuilding and you know for the past couple of years, you know, I was the guy taking the Jaguars defense two years ago. Yeah. In in the late rounds of the draft, getting laughed at. And so yeah. I was a year early. Yeah. Now um, they're just. I like that football team. I like Doug Marone. I like the way he coaches and runs. I, mean, I just like he's kind of a hard nosed old school kind of football guy. He's like we'll run it every play if we can, and and um, they're just kind of a, a smash mouth, hit you in the face kind of team. And and I like that. I like the I like the character of that team, and I like the young players and. But Leonard Fournette is, uh, you know, that was that was the last jersey I bought. I bought a Leonard Fournette jersey, and nice. I I couldn't be more excited to <laughs> own him on my fantasy team. And just not only is he a, a heck of a football player who I really like the way that he runs the football. There was that play last year um, when he squared off and waved on the safety from the Steelers yeah, yeah. for contact. Yeah. I mean, as soon as that play happened, I went. I'm like, I gotta buy this kid's jersey. Like that. <laughs> That is everything that I stand for as a football player. Yeah. Um, and he's just a really he's got he's got a, he's a really good character. He's a stand-up um, citizen. He's just a, a you know really good person. Yeah. And um, you know so for me I, I'm really excited to 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 watch him and watch his watch the way he plays. I mean he also ran he runs he's so fast. The two fastest I mean I don't know if this is one of your trivia things. But the two fastest plays from scrimmage, uh, time and speeds last year were both. Leonard Fournette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's you know that's crazy. So I um, people he's such a big bruising running back. People kind of don't really think about him in terms of his just breakaway speed. And if he hadn't missed those couple of games with injury and for getting benched <laughs> for missing the team yeah. photo. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, um, one that was you know I think it. he would have been much higher up. I think he was. Uh, I think he was uh, somehow quite underrated uh, yeah. in, with all the other kind of dark horse guys that came out last year. But uh, yes, yeah. ja- Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean. Um, Definitely my favorite team to uh, my favorite team to watch that aren't the Broncos right now. Yeah, I mean, um, Fournette. Sorry, sorry to cut you in there. Yeah, no, Leonard Fournette. I think I certainly I'd certainly take him in in fantasy drafts over like Kareem Hunt. Um, maybe not so much in PBR. Well, yeah, he, he gets a bit of a bit work through the air, but um, yeah, no, it's Fournette. more of a Blake Bortles problem than a Leonard Fournette. Yeah, absolutely. Problem. Yeah, yeah. 
Cool, yeah. So anyone, it's a, like, you know, like say, I always, it's, it is a bit weird, obviously being a Dallas fan, there's not really anyone else in the NFC that I kind of support because obviously you know that some at some point you're going to face them and then you kind of not split, but you you know, you, you kind of begrudge it if the other team win. But, uh, you know, obviously I like the Chargers from the AFC. Is there any N- NFC teams you like or, or looking, for, looking forward to watching this year? Yeah. I mean, I, I generally just try to chase players that I like and um, follow team. You know, it's not so much about the teams um, as it is I, uh, I like watching players that I'm excited to watch. So, I mean, obviously I like the Eagles. I really like Corey Clement. I like these kind of undrafted, bruising pe- players that play hard. And I thought he had a heck of a game in the Super Bowl. Um, so I like watching the Eagles play. Um, you know, I've got a lot of... Uh, uh, who, who have I got on my fantasy rosters? I always... Ju- I was saying these to my friends. I just go after guys that I like to watch that yeah. I want to see how they do. Yeah. I'm really, I mean, in the NFC, you know, I, 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 you know, I like to see Dallas lose. Um, so how, how, dare, how dare you come on this podcast <laughs> and say how much you enjoy yeah, Dallas losing? How dare you? No, it's, I've actually, uh, I've actually, I got to meet the, um, um, the Jones family and they're really, really, really nice people. And I have nothing but good things to say about them, but, um, you know, you like to see that you like to see the big teams get, get a bit of humbling. And I'm yeah. also a Tony Romo guy. So, and I don't think I'm not, I'm not so high on Dak Prescott. So I, I, I think that, uh, that's gonna, that's gonna stipe, that's gonna prevent, I don't, I'm not convinced Dak Prescott's an MVP, uh, Super Bowl caliber quarterback yet. No. So I'm not saying he won't be, but I'm not convinced that, uh, that he is that guy yet. So, yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Obviously, Ezekiel Elliott's a fantastic player to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I love. There's there, but there, there's no one that I like to watch lose more than the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. So that that's definitely something satisfying. What else have I got on my team? I mean, Carson Wentz is my guy in um, in fantasy. I was pretty. I was devastated that he. That he got he tore his ACL. That pretty much ruined my playoffs in uh, my fantasy league last year. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got. Uh, uh, I really like Christian McCaffrey. I think I'm uh, also because he's the son of Ed McCaffrey, former great wide receiver for the Denver Broncos. Mm-hmm. So um, I've been following him since his Stanford days and and um, before because uh, he was always on the radar. So I think um, him and Carolina would be exciting to watch. It'd be exciting to see how he grows as a second year player, probably with a bit more bulk and being able to run a bit more between the tackles. So yeah. um, he's a heck of an athlete. Um, you know, uh, who else were? Did, did you see? Did you see that picture of um, Christian McCaffrey in the gym with his absolute cannons of arms? I mean, if he if he hasn't got a ped a ped, a ped suspension coming his way, he's, I, I don't know. What, I don't know what he's done in the off season, but that's just ridiculous. Yeah, just, go look up Ed McCaffrey's arms. Go look up his dad. His dad still got cannons for arms. Look at his playing days. There's one of the, my most vivid memories is Ed McCaffrey's biceps as he's running running on the sideline. I was like, who is this big, <laughs> white, flexed-out receiver? Yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think there's there, those, are, those are some of the guys that are that are on my, on my radar. I just like watching good football, so I just like seeing players play well and, like, seeing good, exciting football on the field and, um, you know, seeing who else I can discover. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, no, so not, not only have you come onto the podcast and say that you enjoy watching Dallas lose, but you've also come on and said how much you like the Eagles. And I, I just, I don't, know, I don't know if we'll be able to get on, Derek. I just really, I just really don't. Um, yeah, we we have a we have a joke uh, in my my circle of friends that I know I never watch the Philadelphia Eagles. I never see them. So or, or Carson Wentz. But yeah, I, I begrudgingly accept that they they are the the class of of the uh, NFC NFC East for at least at least the next couple of years. I think um, they're they're the new Seahawks. They've got the new that kind of. Uh, um, Google of the NFL vibe, bunch of players that are kind of loose and, and um, kind of all coming together, but also really selfless at the same time. So yeah. 
I think there's a there's a culture there on the team, and that's it's a Doug Peterson thing. It's an Andy yeah. Reid. It's coming back from Andy Reid. Sorry, that's just to bring it back no, no, even further to Eagles lore. But uh, you know, I I like I like, uh, I, I, like uh, I like what they're doing. I think there's some real talented football players with a lot of personality there, and I think it's good for the league. Malcolm Jenkins is also one of the stand-up guys in the NFL, and I think uh, yeah. um, you know I think that uh, uh, that's. Just sorry, just piling on all the good things about the Eagles. <laughs> yeah, no, that, the Eagles. That, that's, that's okay. I, if, it, if it makes you feel any better, I hate I hate the Redskins and uh, I hate the rest of the NFC East. So <laughs> you know, although Saquon Barkley, there was nothing more depressing than to see such a talented, amazing, transcendent running back go to such a terrible, terrible team. Yeah, uh, I felt so bad. Saquon Barkley was like went from being the unequivocal number one pick for me to just. Mm, what could there be in a, wor- a worse place for him? And yeah, he, you know, let's we'll see. Well, yeah, Fer- Ferrari, Ferrari, and rush hour traffic does bring to mind when I when I think of that big. But he'll get a lot of passing game stuff as well. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll yeah. see how that goes. He um, he'll be he'll be obviously first round pick in, in fantasy. But um, yeah, I mean you've done enough damage now. I'm, I'm hurt. I've got too many wounds that, that you can heal. So we we'll get we we'll get you out on this one, Derek. Um, if 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 NFL or American football kind of wasn't around anymore or had to disband for whatever reason, maybe the XFL took over and then disbanded the whole thing. <laughs> what would you What would you end up doing on on a Sunday? Oh man, that's a good question. Well, I mean, probably what I it, it's all NFL is already kind of hard enough to to stay stay up with um, being in the UK because you got a whole you have to have a whole go through a whole day before the games even start. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I've got a I've got a, th- a three and a half year old daughter who is just an absolute bundle of energy, and so. Um, just be spending more time with her. But generally, I don't get to watch the games till the nighttime games when yeah. everybody's gone to bed anyway. Mm. So, and, and NFL Game Pass gets me through the week. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love I, love Game Pass. Love, love I follow fa- I follow the red zone and fantasy stuff on my phone. Yeah, and then I watch the, and then I watch the games and the the replay games. Mm. Generally, it, what happens? What's it? What's it like? One, one thing I did mean to ask you was it? What's it like? Obviously, when you growing up in Canada, what's it like? The perception of the NFL there is it still? Is it quite a well received kind of product or you know what? What? what how does it compare oh, to yeah. kind of over over here? Um, the perception of uh, the NFL in Canada relative to perception of NFL in the UK yeah and just like obviously the like the the fantasy leagues and you know participation of like obviously we have the Regent Street events there and uh just just sort of kind of how the two is there is there a different culture uh over in, oh, in Canada mean, we I mean people get it people get the sport a bit more I mean obviously there's more people that are uh um there's a more ubiquitous the there I guess the um, the lowest common denominator of NFL perception and knowledge is a lot higher than it is in the UK. Um, so you've got a much higher floor, yeah. but at the same time, um, you know, you don't get games there. You have to go to games and lots of people have season tickets for the, for the Vikings or for wherever else. Yeah. But, uh, to get to, to get to a game is pretty tough. Okay. Um, and so, so being able there that there's actually a culture building here and the way that it's been over the last five years is really exciting. Cause mm-hmm. I think it's, uh, um, I think it's important for the sport, and I think that uh, you know, 20 years from now, you're going to have a different kind of relationship in London uh, with the with the with the NFL than say my hometown does. So yeah, um, yeah. that that's made made it approachable, but it's still in its infancy in terms of people's understanding of the nuances of the game, and um, you know, it's still dismissed too much in the UK as a oh, it's a stop start sport. It's yeah, a, it's not fluid, that, and like, that yeah, really that's frustrates the essence me. of its complexity. Yeah. And the fact that you don't. When you try to explain all of the complexities of the game, and then people start to go, "Oh, wow, that's actually pretty crazy." Yeah, no, that really, that really but, frustrates uh, me. The stop-start one, because I say, I say to everyone that says that, I say, "Actually, go to a game and then tell me if you still notice the stop-start." Well, and it's the, that is the found that is the crucial thing that is what is the the 
the set the chess game of, yeah. of, of football is a game of chess. It's all strategy. It's all smoke and mirrors, but you have 11 variables that everybody has to execute against the most freakish athletes at every position. And there's so many in play in audibles and, and silent reads and all these different things that you just can't see. But if you watch the film and you break it down yeah. and you study those battles, it's uh, there's nothing like it in, in the world of sport. And I think that's why I'm so fascinated with it. And, mm. you know, not enough people in the UK get that. And when you go to a game in London, it's different than going to a game and you go to see the Seahawks, what are you going to be playing here against the Raiders? Yeah. That's going to be different than if you see them in Seattle. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, people cheer it. People cheer at the wrong times. It doesn't quite have the same vibe no, as an no. NFL game, but, uh, you know, it's getting there. And, and, you know, the fact you're doing this podcast and some of the most knowledgeable people that I know um, on the sport, actually one other guy, there's you and the guy, uh, my good buddy Gary in our fantasy league that, uh, um, are doing the UK proud in terms of having a really in-depth, sophisticated appreciation for the NFL. And I don't know why. He's a Cowboys fan too, so I don't know what's <laughs> in the... And he's a, he's a northerner, so I don't know what's uh, I don't know what's in the water up there, but uh, uh, it, it's both left you both informed uh, uh, in the right ways, but... Yeah, just the wrong team choice, eh? Yeah, I mean, yeah, and yeah, no, I, I did try and get in contact with uh, Gary. Maybe I'll, I'll give him another nudge now, knowing that he's a Cowboys fan. But um, Derek, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I want to thank you also for using probably the best word that's been on any podcast so, so far, in uh, ubiquitous. I'm going to go and find out what I'm going to go find out what that means. Uh, but yeah, Derek, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, if you want to get Derek on uh, Twitter or Instagram, it's uh, Derek Decanted um, and um, at BYO Podcast. What's what's that BYO Podcast all about, there, Derek? Do you want to expand on that one a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So um, we've uh, basically it's called Bring Your Own, and it's uh, we do like a roundtable uh, discussion with different winemakers and uh, um, top uh, restaurateurs and sommeliers from around the global industry of wine. And everybody brings a bottle from their own cellars, and we just crack open, drink it, and talk about wine. Nice. And so I find that in the wine industry, there's far too much pretension about um, this kind of stuffy, um, you know, elitist or unapproachable. Um, um, air that, that gets uh, put into it and you know at the end of the day wine is just uh, an agricultural product made by humble people that uh, um, are really earnest and um, I wanted to create something uh, with a, a good friend of mine Mike from Bottled Films which is his production company uh, to reflect more the way that the top people in the industry enjoy wine and recreate those sitting around a table drinking with your with your mates conversations because oh. i think those are the most enlightening and important conversations in the wine industry so yeah. that's a that's our mo it's basically an excuse to drink wine on camera with people <laughs> yeah and, no, uh, that's it. Uh, and mike makes us all look good on camera and uh and edits it up to make it seem like we know what we're talking about lovely stuff yeah so for those if any other wine lovers out there that's at, at byo podcast and so if you want to get in contact with derek himself it's uh, at derek decanted and uh, yeah derek thank you so much for coming on buddy really enjoyed that um i say I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll keep in touch as well and good luck with uh, all your fantasy and, and the Broncos next season yeah you as well thanks Tim cool you take care cheers how dare he how dare he come on my show and diss my Cowboys and even worse big up the Philadelphia Eagles great interview there with Derek and for those <laughs> those of you who didn't know ubiquitous means present appearing and or found everywhere don't say you don't learn anything on this show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that was say, yeah, I really enjoyed that with uh, with Derek there, and he also told me um, off air as well that he he has a fantasy league that he's starting up where you do all all six different types of fantasy league all, all into one. So you have like an IDP, you have a full PPR, 
standard scoring, super flex, what have you, all, you know, six different types of league all into one league and you you win by having, you know, if you win one league, you, you get weighted points and then whoever has the most points out of all six leagues it wins, which absolutely sounds absolute, absolutely filthy. So yeah, that, that's the very good interesting uh, conversation with there. And so if you're a wine connoisseur or if you if you like your wine, go and check out his podcast at, at BYO Podcast. So yeah, um, a couple of things before we wrap up. If you're going to the Clive Valley Blackhawks and uh, the West Coast, West Coast Trojans game on Sunday, I'll be there. Come and find me. Come get a picture and let's talk some football. And next week we will be veering away from my team, my thoughts for a little while. We're going to be doing, uh, going to have Lee Wakefield on the show, hopefully, to talk some betting and some early kind of feelers, uh, fantasy football betting and division winners and that kind of stuff. Uh, and we will also have uh, Neil Elliott, I think, will be uh, talking Seahawks with us. So we will have a bit of Seahawks talk for you there um, as well if you are a Seahawks fan. But I hope you're enjoying the series. hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you want to like, review, subscribe on, on wherever you get your podcast from, that would be great. I haven't actually got one yet, so if you want to be the first one, that would be very much appreciated. Uh, Full10yards at gmail.com is the email address, but you know you know, by now we have uh, at Full10yards on Twitter and Instagram. I've actually put a bit of effort into having a routine on my on my social media, so you might see that this week we have different kind of categories for each day. So it's like Mock Draft Monday, um, th- obviously today was Throwback Thursday, yesterday Wave Wire Wednesday, uh, and Tuesday was uh, was Touchdown Tuesday as well. And we'll, we'll be repeating those each week with slightly different takes on, on those days. So I hope you're enjoying those, get involved, love to hear from you. This show is all about participation, and uh, obviously we're going to be talking to two people uh well for the duration of doing this so if you know anyone that we might like the show get them in get them involved give them a nudge get them, get them following us on twitter and, and instagram because don't forget when we get to 500 we'll be giving away an nfl jersey but that's enough of me talking for this episode that's going to do it for this week uh, i hope you can join us next week and in the great words of kevin cadle it's bye-bye for now bye-bye Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.